Okay, Pastor Phil is teased for two things at Sunny Hill. Okay, he's teased for two things. And they are, you're going to see them in a minute, this expression, take it up a notch, something that he says a lot. I'm not even quite sure what it means, but he says it a lot. And also for being like a sloth. Not a sloth as in being lazy. I love it, people are going like this. You've got someone on staff who's a sloth. Um, but that kind of slow, considered, purposeful kind of uh, way of being, okay? This is the sloth. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know, um, Pastor Phil has been on the staff at Sunny Hill for many years, and today is his leaving day. He and his wife and children are going down to Penzance uh, to take on the running of a church, but you can see here this sloth, okay? This sloth is determined and cute, okay? So you're allowed to say, ah, ah. Um, but what I love about the way that this sloth is climbing a vertical tree, right? I don't know, have you ever climbed a vertical tree? I certainly haven't. Is his stretch, okay? If you look at this sloth, when he stretches his arm, okay, do you see that? A complete stretch. He is absolutely present in the moment, looking for the best notch, slash Pastor Phil taking it up a notch, so that he can pull his weight up. And um, something I particularly like as well is the, uh, if you've watched Strictly Ever, uh, they talk about hip action. He's got great hip action, okay? He finds, he finds the next notch and then he commits to it. There's this shift of weight, there's this change of direction. And um, he's going to keep going for some time. And the other thing that I love about the way that that sloth is climbing is that he's not just thinking about the end result, those, I don't know, juicy, young, fresh leaves that he's about to eat. He is really present in the moment. Um, there's this expression in mental health called mindfulness. Have you... Wave at me if you've heard this expression, mindfulness. Mindfulness, um, if you like, is something sort of new, but it's not new. It's actually ancient, and it's about being present in the moment. And um, this sloth would not be able to achieve what he's doing, or she, I'm no expert on sloths, um, if he, she, they were not completely mindful about what, where am I going next? What is the next shift? And he's making incredible progress, right? Incredible progress, this sloth. Um, not rapid, but effective. Considered, purposeful, mindful. Looking for the next notch. Uh, con committed to the next weight shift, the next step. Um, and as you know, we are looking at messages from the Mount at the moment. In fact, this is the last message from the Mount, looking at the Sermon on the Mount and how God wants us to move forward uh, based on what Jesus taught in his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to be looking at Matthew 5 this morning. If you've got a Bible with you, um, could you turn to Matthew 5? That would be great. Um, now, Matthew 5, uh, we are going to look at the whole chapter Although having said that, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but I wanted to look at it as a whole um, because it actually holds together um, as a journey, if you like, from the very first verse to the final verse. Um, so we're going to have a little bit of an overview um, and you'll see at the beginning of Matthew 5, we have what we call the Beatitudes. It's this uh, poem uh, that talks about how blessed we are when we are poor, uh, when we mourn, 
when we are meek, when we're hungry and thirsty, anyone feeling blessed, when we are persecuted, when people lie about us. Okay, so it starts off with this incredible poem, The Beatitudes, and really I would say that this first section of Matthew 5 is about saying we need to change our assumptions. The things that we thought were certain are not certain. So Jesus is messing with our assumptions. Um, It then goes on to a section um, which is often titled Salt and Light. Uh, So in this section, Salt and Light, um, we're told that we are the salt of the earth. It says, um, if salt loses its saltiness, what good is it? It's no good for anything. Um, Then he talks about light, and he says that we should make our light shine. We should let our light shine, not hide it. So this section is really about being different. Be different. Stay being different. And um, allow other people to see that you are different. Don't hide that. Um, So we've got the Beatitudes that are going to mess with our assumptions. We're then told that this is going to involve us being different. And then it's almost like a hark back because then Jesus talks about the law, the Old Testament law. Um, And he talks about how um, he has not come to abolish the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, um, rules of how we should live, not to abolish them, but to fulfill them to actually make them human. Um, And then he goes on to say, though, that unless our righteousness surpasses that of the teachers, the leaders, those who um, were scholarly at the time, they had the education, they had the knowledge, they taught, they told people how to do um, life. But unless, unless we actually surpassed that head knowledge, that cleverness. It says, actually, it's quite serious. It says, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So we know that the law is a good place to start. Jesus isn't saying, kind of throw that out. But he's saying, but there is more. The law is a good start, but there is more. Um, It's not about knowledge and theology and cleverness, um, but there is something more. We then go on to the next section, which is examples of how the law says this, and that's a great start, but actually Jesus is saying we must take it much further. And there's five or six different examples um, here, examples to do with murder, adultery, promises, justice, and love. And, um, And this section is really saying, this is what you've heard so far, but... I want you to take it up a notch. I want you to reach further. I want you to live differently. Um, And then the whole of the um, Matthew 5 ends with this. It's the finale. And Adam spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Um, And I thought this was really interesting. What I noticed here in this be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect is that God is perfect in his nature. God isn't just perfect in what he does. He is perfect because of who he is. He's loving, faithful, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. It is who God is that makes him perfect. Um, And as Adam said, it's not a continuum from, you know, I don't know, uh, 
So I'm just thinking, what's that line in, um, in Home Alone? You filthy something animal, yes, to, to being like Mother Teresa. It's actually a completely separate thing. Being perfect is an absolute. Um, and so we can only be perfect, not through our behavior, but actually through, um, through being like our Heavenly Father. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Okay, so, taking it up a notch. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit of an account from my life. Um, some of you um, might already know that for 10 years, I was a professional dancer. I danced in a contemporary dance style. And I was taught by, by this man, Chris Bannerman, up here. Okay, and uh, Chris Bannerman was one of the teachers uh, when I was at uni. And uh, I was doing a, a dance degree, performing arts degree, and Chris Bannerman came from a, a very pure dance line. He trained at London Contemporary Dance School, and he really did look down on those of us who were doing an academic degree, because it wasn't pure dance. We didn't just dance all day, every day. We also learned about dance. We learned some history, some theory, and all of this. So he was really superior with us, okay? Not a nice, not a, yeah, not a nice teacher to have, shall we say, a bit of a, Bit of a bit of a rectangle, shall we say? Bit of a door handle. Bit of a you know. He didn't really engage our respect. And Chris Bannerman taught in this the Cunningham dance style, which is very linear. It's very aesthetic. It's all about the curves and the shapes and. Um, and I remember being choreographed on by Chris Bannerman, and he did also make us wear a unitard, which was a great indignity. Uh, unitard is like a leotard, it sort of goes up to your neck, your wrists, your ankles. I think we even had to make our own unitards. Um, so that was an indignity as well. And I remember going up to Chris as a sort of 19, 20 year old and going, Chris, I don't understand. What are these movements supposed to mean? Um, you know, it was really just put your body here, put your body there. And, uh, and Chris said, uh, with great insight, you don't need to know. <sighs> now, no 18, 19, 20-year-old wants to just hear, shut up and do what I say, but that was basically what he was saying. Um, that this, this combination of the Cunningham dance style, which is all about aesthetics, and Chris Bannerman, who was a bit sneery, um, really led to quite a sort of dehumanizing experience. It was basically saying, switch off your brain, you are paint in my choreographer's palette, and I will put you where I want, and I will say what I want it to say, and you really don't need to have a brain on this. Okay, it was, um, it was not great. And what was the lesson we were supposed to learn from that? What do you think? I guess it was switch off your brain, don't think. Is that a great lesson? And was that the whole lesson? I don't know. Um, but it certainly was not fun. Um, but here's the good news. God is not Chris Bannerman. Okay, yes. <laughs> Woo! Um, Jesus actually encourages us to understand the heart of the rules that he gives us, to, to become more insightful as we obey, as we do what we're told. We're encouraged to sort of analyze, think about, and, um, and kind of see these things as guidelines for a much broader approach to life. In fact, um, Captain Barbosa from Pirates of the Caribbean, he says this, the pirate code is more what you'd call guidelines than actual rules. It's fun to say rules like that, by the way. Practice that. Rules. Have a go. Have a go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I would say, 
But the Jesus Code is more like guidelines than actual rules as well. Um, Jesus actually says this in, in John 15, 15. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. So it starts with obedience, but then we want to be taking principles from his commands. And he even gives us a heart to do this. It says in Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a great brain? No, a tender, responsive heart. I mean, children, when, uh, those of us who are parents, when you, you're bringing up children, you give them routines and, and some rules and some instructions, but you don't expect them just to follow those. No, that's, you put your left foot in that one, you put your right foot in that one. If that's they, ev all they ever learn, then they are going to put the jumper on inside out, aren't they? Because what, what you're actually teaching them is you need to put your clothes in the right place on your body, yes? Um, Eliza is four, a uh, little girl, and um, you can see she's starting to pick up principles because she'll say, oh, look, mummy, there's some baby sheeps, yes? Now, she hasn't been told that the, the, the rule, if you like, which is that you add an S at the end of a, at the end of a, a singular to create a plural, but she's picked it up. And so although it's a mistake, it's actually quite a clever mistake because it shows that she's actually now picking up the principles and running them um, for herself. Um, and I guess that's the same with all, all sorts of elements of, of how we parent. You know, when we take our child's phone for overuse. Oh, yes, that, that yeah, Adam's raising his eyebrows. You're going to go there? You're going to go there? I'm going to go there. It's not because we actually don't want our child to have a phone. It's because we actually want that child to gradually find that they own the phone and their phone doesn't own them because it's so easy and these things are, are designed to, to keep us really um, tapped in. So moving on from that thorny subject. The mature have obeyed the rules but they have also absorbed the principles. And so how do we do that? We have to do that weight shift. We have to shift our weight, like the, uh, the sloth there. Shift our weight from blind obedience, yes, I will do this, um, to actual, the, the principles. Um, and Jesus actually uh, criticizes those who don't do this. He's talking to the Pharisees here, these uh, academic teachers of the law who have failed to, to have his heart. He says, you've heard it said, um, sorry, I've got the wrong bit there. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, and their teachings are mere human rules. And no one wants to live that way. You don't want to be told, just do the moves, do you? Um, so let's have a look at a little bit of Matthew 5. Um, this is one of the examples. And in verse 21, it says, You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and that anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, that's another fun word to say, uh, but it means worthless, is answerable to the court, and anyone who says you fool will be in the danger of the fires of hell. 
So you see there is a, there is a rule, but then there is a principle. Um, we have people come to our house from time to time uh, for a meal, and there are sort of rules of hospitality, aren't there? Things like people come in and they say, oh, should I take my shoes off? And you have to sort of think, oh, what am I going to say? Am I going to say yes? Am I going to say no? We always say whatever you're comfortable with, by the way. If you ever come to our house, keep your shoes on, take your shoes off. We don't mind. Um, but one of the rules of hospitality is that you, you phone the people who are going to come and you say, is there anything that you prefer not to eat? Yes? Um, and that's really quite a nice way of saying, is there anything you really hate? And if I put it in front of you, you will feel obliged to eat it. Um, is there anything that was... Do you remember when we went to Karen and Brian's house and we got served three courses of cheese? Adam doesn't do cheese and it... It has an upsetting effect, shall I say, in more than one way. Um, yeah, they had not phoned ahead and said, is there anything you prefer not to eat? And by the time you'd eaten the first course, you felt you couldn't really say for the second and third. So that was a, that was a fun night. <laughs> um, but actually, the principle of hospitality is not that I will present you with a dish that you simply don't hate. Yes, I don't even want to present you with a dish that you dislike or dislike part of, I really want to make you a plate of food that you love, that you will sit there and the world will feel good, and that you will enjoy every mouthful and it will be cooked just to your taste. That's what I really want. It's just that you can't really have that extended conversation the first time someone comes. But you just, you notice, they go, oh, yes, I like peas. And you think, mm, peas, try and remember that. You know, and um, this, is, this is the life we want to live. We don't simply want to live a life that God doesn't hate, right? We don't want to live a life that even he dislikes. We want to live a life that he loves. Yes, it's not, uh, you know, it, this, this, this um, passage, you shall not murder, anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. God hates murder, right? It doesn't take, uh, it doesn't take any kind of um, insight to understand why. Murder is the worst. It's the food that God hates. But also, he dislikes this word reka. Um, he doesn't like you fool. He doesn't like me calling Chris Bannerman a rectangle or a doorknob or whatever else it was that I wanted to call him. He actually doesn't really like negativity towards his wonderful created people at all. The food that God loves is patience and love and kindness and understanding and enjoyment of the variety of people that he has made. And that is the principle that we can take from the rule, do not murder. If we make a promise, uh, God hates it when we go back on a promise, particularly the marriage one. He, he doesn't like that at all, and he dislikes it when we're unreliable to each other. We place someone in a position of they're relying on you, and then you let them down. But the principle of it is that God loves it when we always speak the truth. When we go the extra mile, we go out of our way to be dependable and reliable and not let people down, when we're responsible for the words that come out of our mouths. So following rules isn't bad in itself, but it's not enough. There was an Old Testament, uh, a Levitical law, um, which said that people shouldn't wear something called shatnez material. 
Um, I don't know if you know what Chatner's material is. I didn't. It is a blend of animal-based material and plant-based material. Okay, and so like a, what we would think of as like a cotton wool blend, yes, something that grew and something that came from an animal. Um, and I've always wondered why it was that we weren't supposed to wear this. And so I had a, a little bit of a study. Um, now, Shatner's was used for the garments of the heathen priests at the time that that law was written. So what was this law about? It was basically saying, don't be like a heathen priest. Not don't be like them in their fashion, but the principle of that is don't be like them at all. Don't be, don't be seen to be like them. Don't have anything to do with them. Shatnez was also used um, for the prayer tassels on the shawls of the God-appointed priests. So not wearing shatnes also meant don't try and be a priest. You haven't been given that particular role. Don't try and stay at home and run your own prayer meeting. Come to where the people of God are gathering and receive from the, from the leaders that I have um, put in place. Um, shatnes was also used, uh, created using materials from Egypt, which was the linen part, um, and of course Egypt symbolizes uh, bondage, slavery, and also materials taken from the people of Israel who, were, who, who kept sheep and flocks. And so this idea, can I take bondage and freedom? Can I take uh, rejection, humiliation, and combine that with the freedom and acceptance that God has got? Can that even be a thing? And of course it can't. So to not wear Shatner's material means actually to separate ourselves from all these things. But if you're just simply thinking, you know, you're looking at the, the washing label and think, oh, no, I can't wear that. You know, what does that say? That's people honoring me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Um, it is good to follow the law blindly at first, but then thoughtfully, analytically, carefully finding the principles. Um, and the way to do that is to be mindful, to be full of the current moment that we are in. I read this expression recently, we don't trip over mountains, but over small stones. And uh, the Bible would put it like this, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So, be mindful is... Um, is my last thought. How do we take it up a notch? Well, we'd be a sloth. We'd be considered. We'd be careful. We think about what's happening in the moment. Um, JJ talked last week about the narrow road which leads to salvation. And of course, there's no fear in, the, in that narrow road. It's not like you're on a tightrope and you're about to drop down a precipice. Instead, that narrow road is saying there is a way, there is a good way, but we need to rely on Jesus to find it. Um, as Adam said, it's not do better from this filthy dog to Mother Teresa continuum. It's be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. I talked at the beginning about how God's nature is perfect. Um, it says in Psalm 147, great is the Lord. He's great. How can we be like that? He's abundant in strength. He's strong. He is great. He is strong. His understanding is infinite. He understands it all. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. 
And so because his nature is perfect, so his way is perfect. Uh, Psalm 18, as for God, his way is perfect. Uh, 2 Samuel 22, as for God, his way is blameless. So how do we take on the nature of God? How do we do better? And of course, the answer is, and it's something that we've said so many times, is we can't do better. All we can do is to receive. Receive. And um, in uh, 1 John 4, uh, it it talks about um, participation. So everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well. We've embraced it, heart and soul, this love that comes from God. So participation in his love, rather than digging deep and being nicer and holding our tongue, it's about actually being willing to, um, to participate in his nature. Um, we're going to sing in a moment. Uh, we're going to sing the song that we sung just now, Hallelujah, here below. And this participation in God's nature is our hallelujah from here below. It is, it is engaging with his spirit. And we started off this morning saying that we are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And so we have got a, you know, a little bit of time, uh, and uh, I wanted to have a little bit of time Because, as Adam prayed before I spoke, it's important that we respond, isn't it? That we actually are willing to yield to him. That we let go of our own past attempts to do better. And we engage with him because I can I can speak or or, or not, it's it's not relevant. Really, what we desperately need is the Father's heart to connect with ours. Um, Remember, Jesus came to reconcile us to the Father. Feel free to to close your eyes as, as we continue to just think a little bit more about this. But what Jesus did on the cross means that there, is no, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And although we do not participate perfectly in the nature of God, His perfect nature is not at fault. His perfect nature is not up for debate. He is perfect, all-loving, all-compassionate, all-forgiving, merciful, gracious. And at any moment, we can turn back to him and yield the moment to him.